that we're launching our brand new series today, The Ten. The Ten. And, um, and so, have you ever watched a sports show or, um, or, or yeah, a sports show? And when you watch a sports show, quite often they'll have the best plays of the week, right? And there's like this countdown. And so there's 10 best plays and there's a countdown leading all the way to number one. And it's like the number one is like the best play. You're like, yeah, that was the, the best play of the week. Like, like Damon McKenzie just slicing up the Crusaders last night and passing, popping the ball and they're scoring, scoring the winning try. But anyway, things like that. <laughs> so, uh, and they go, yeah, that definitely was the best play of the week. And we're going to be doing this with our Ten Commandments series, the, the Ten, where we're going to be going in reverse and, and it's leading all the way to God. So thank you for joining us on this journey as we begin to explore the Ten, the Ten Commandments. Last night we went to this restaurant. It was amazing. Honestly, I weighed myself afterwards, and I oh, seriously I did. I put on a kilo after weighing myself. I was a bit I was a bit disappointed. I thought I thought I ate about five kilos worth of meat then, but I obviously didn't. And that's my next challenge is trying to trying to do that. But I don't know if you have the same issue as me. But quite often, like when I go to a restaurant, I'll open up the menu and I'll be looking at it, and I'm going, Man, I don't know what to choose. It's like I'm like, this this one looks good. Then I talk to the person next to me, goes, What are you getting? They say, I'm getting this, and go, No, I want that. I'm getting that. Then you talk to the person on the other side of you and go, no, actually, I want what you're having. And then when the food finally comes out, right? And then you see the food being served to the person on the other side of the table. You're like, should have got that. You know? Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Right? Yeah, this is like, we're just looking at it and we can never make up our mind. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the grass always seems to be greener on the other side, right? Like, why does it seem greener over there? And, and quite often what happens is because we live in two tents live in two tents. We live in contentment or discontentment. This is where we live. This is the two tents that we live in. Contentment or discontentment. Which side do, we, uh, which side do you live in right now? Because I always find when it comes to money, no matter how much you, you're still kind of scratching your head like, man, where did all the money go? <laughs> you know, what do we do? That's why you need to get on some of our, our, our cap money courses to help you make sure you, that you know where the money goes. It's a great course. Sign up through our website. Well, we kind of scratch your head. What's going on? Because we quite often we buy we we buy things um, we buy things that we don't even need right with money that we don't even have to impress the people that we don't even like <laughs> you know and in fact nowadays we can be divided up into three groups right the haves the have nots and they have not paid what I have yet right you know what I mean the three haves which which group do you, are, we are, where are you residing right now I don't have to answer we will got pre after this so that's okay. And here's the thing, we think if I get a promote, if I get a promotion, I'm gonna be happy. If I get a bigger house, I'm gonna be happy. If I get the latest iPhone, I'm gonna be happy. If I get the latest PlayStation, I'm gonna be happy. You know, if I'm in the right relationship, then I'm gonna be happy. Let's not buy in the myth that thinking that having more will make us happy, right? Learn to be learn to be content. I mean, it's okay to have ambitions and goals, it's great to have those, but be content. There's a big difference. As one philosopher put it, I can get no. Yeah, we all know that philosopher, Mick Jagger, right? I can't get no satisfaction. It's, and in fact, it's really interesting because this 10th law that we're going to be looking at deals with some of these issues. But before we get into the 10th law, I mean, where did the 10 commandments come from, right? Where did they come from and, and why, did, why did God give it to us? And it all goes back thousands of years. And if you've got your, and in, your, in your Bibles, you go to the book of Exodus, what we find is the children of Israel find themselves in slavery. They've been in slavery for about 400 years. 
God hears their cries and he rescues his people, right? Brings them out of slavery from Egypt and he, and he, and he, and he's, and they're on this journey and God brings them to Mount Sinai where he makes a covenant with his people, right? And, and think of covenant like, like a marriage vow. When you, when you go to a wedding and you've got, and you've got the two people, the husband and wife, they're making vows to one another. What, what are the vows about? It's about, here's our marriage agreement that, that these are, these, these, these are the terms for marriage and we obey and, and honor these vows, then we're going to live a happy, a happy and loving relationship together. And this is kind of the covenant that God makes of his people. So this is our marriage agreement. And so these, this covenant is often called the Torah or, or the law, God's law. So the God's law was about, was about um, giving an identity, um, God's identity for God's chosen people. And it's quite often we think, we think, oh, you know, these Ten Commandments, it's about like, it's like God's given, given it to us. So, so we have to live this, this, this moral law to be moral, morally perfect, right? It's like it's, as if it's a simulation to be morally perfect. But that's not what this law was meant to be. And this is what this law is about. In fact, following the law isn't about making God happy, right? So when God gave the covenant, it's like, I'm giving you this covenant so, you can, so that you guys can make me happy. And sometimes we kind of feel like that's what it's like for God. If I follow God, I've got to follow all these things because if I don't, then God's not going to be happy with me, right? And that's not the purpose of the law. It's not about making God happy. In fact, following, the, following these laws creates a lifestyle that reflects God's image and God's goodness to those around us. When we begin to walk with God and we follow his ways, when we begin to do that, we reflect his goodness to those around us. And, and in fact, the, the laws is, is given for our good. And so Israel were given this covenant. God said, look, if you follow this covenant, if you do it in this way, that the other nations will look, look at you and go, oh my goodness, we want to be like you guys. We want to follow this God, Yahweh. Man, no, that's the kind of God that we want for us. And so this was the purpose of the Lord, to live in such a way that others will, will want that for themselves. But unfortunately, when we begin to, to, uh, to read the narrative of what happens, Israel fails at keeping these, these laws. And they don't look attractive to the other nations. In fact, Israel wants to be like all the other nations. And, and, uh, but the law is a, is, a, is a beautiful law. It's about relationship and how we deal with one another. Um, and, and it's attractive. So much, which is why our modern law is based on this ancient law code when we begin to look at it. So let's begin, to, to be, let's begin our countdown. And look, let's look at law number 10. Do not covet. Do not covet. Move out of the way. <laughs> Cover more. My wife told me my head gets in the way. And I don't want the shine of, of, the, of the Shekinah glory to get in your way. It's... Here we go. Exodus 20. Let's read 20 verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. It's seven. There's seven here. Seven is the symbol in the, in the Bible of completion. It's and reason there's seven to show the severity of this, this, this um, why we should not covet. The word covet means to desire, to desire with this intent to own something that can never rightfully be ours, right? It's, this, it's, just, it's, it's really about relationship. It's about having a righteous relationship. Well, and this righteous relationship, like in order for, what righteousness means is to do right by someone. That I'm going to do right by you and, and, and if you're going to be righteous towards me, that you're going to do right by me. And this, this is what righteousness kind of means. And, and we're not doing right, right by someone if we're desiring something they have or taking something they have. It's this relational word. Today, this, this word covet um, kind of looks like materialism. 
I need all these things. I need the latest iPhone, but it's more than just materialism. Coveting is the motive behind breaking all the other nine commandments. Right? If you get this, so we got all these commandments. God said, here, there are the 10 commandments, but this is the one. This one here, this one here, if you follow this, continue down coveting, it's, this will lead to breaking all the other commandments. It's the, it's the mother of all sins is coveting. Right? We, we will lie, we will cheat, we'll commit adultery because we are coveting because we want more. I want more of what you have. I want more I want what you have. Right? It's the it's the mother of all sins. Coveting is like an appetite. I mean, the more you feed it, it will grow. And it's never satisfied. Never satisfied. Let's take a look at James chapter 4. James 4, verse 1. This is what it says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Has anybody ever have had a fight with someone, like a verbal fight with someone? Maybe you're on the way to church and you got through the car park. And we're here. Smile, everyone. All right. Oh, no, it doesn't happen. doesn't happen. But, and so, so this is James. He's saying, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you, inside of you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. The, conflict, the conflicts that we have with others, it actually starts from an inward, inward conflict, this conflict that's going on inside of us because there's something lacking on the inside. We're, not, we're lacking something because we're not fulfilled. I'm not, being, I'm not fulfilled right now. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking here and, I, and it's, I'm getting a bit upset. And see, the problem with society, society will say, well, whatever is your truth will fulfill you. Right? Whatever is your truth. If that's your truth, follow that because your truth, that's going to fulfill you. The problem with that is that our truth changes all the time, and w- which means we end up being very confused. There's a lot of confused people out there. We get confused on which way do we go and, and who, who are we really, right? And, and that's why we're in conflict with others because of lack of fulfillment. Uh, in fact, the heart of covetousness is lack of fulfillment. If, you have, if, if there's something going on in, in your relationship, there's a lack of fulfillment. If, you, if there's something going on with, with family and you have conflict with someone right now because something's not being fulfilled inside of you. There's something that I need right now and I'm going to take it because something's not being fulfilled. There's a lack of fulfillment. This is, this is the heart of covenant. Verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Right? That you spend what you get on your pleasures. And maybe you don't, maybe you're praying and you don't get what you receive because you you're asking in the wrong way. And instead of asking for your relationship with God to fulfill you, you're praying you're asking for things of the world to fulfill you. Now, the problem with that is that the things of the world will never fulfill you. Right? Yeah, and and it's, in fact, this, when you continue to go to the world to fulfill you, what happens? It's never satisfied. That's why we've got philosophers like Mick Jagger saying, I can't get no satisfaction. And this is what the world does. We continue to eat what the world gives us. We're never satisfied. We always want more, no matter what it looks like, no matter who I'm going to take it from, because I deserve mine. Here's the thing. We want God's blessing, but we don't want God. God bless me, but I just don't want you in my life right now. I want all the blessings without you, right? Here's the thing. All the danger is when the world gets inside of our heart, when the world comes in, I can't get no satisfaction. When it comes, begins to seep inside your heart, ships don't sink because of the water that's around them. Ships sink 
because of the water that gets in them. Don't let covetousness and discontentment get inside of you and weigh you down. It will weigh you down. I'm really glad I got that right because I was getting mixed up with ships and sink and saying other words. So <laughs> focus. Ships, sink. Okay. So, so how do we overcome discontentment? How do we overcome discontentment? Let's, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's go to the Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter. This is what he says in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I love this because Paul, he's writing this letter out of prison. He's in prison. He's, a, he's in prison. He's writing from there. In fact, in fact, there was, he was potentially facing execution when he was writing this letter. And when we look at his, his ministry, he, he suffered hardships and he faced dangers that most people can't even imagine. Yet he says, yes, from his perspective, this is his perspective of how to be content. He says, whether I'm in seasons of having plenty, right? But whether I'm in seasons of having none. Does anybody know through those seasons before of having none, having plenty? But this is where I am right now. And here's the secret. And then he says this in verse 13. I can do all of this. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. When I have nothing, what keeps me content, what, what gets me going, I can do this, right? Through God who gives me strength. Through, through my Lord and Savior who gives me And when I have plenty, he gives me strength again. This is how to stay content. This is how I stay content that I will trust in God always. This is what it means. When I continue, when he strengthens me, that I trust in him always. I will lean on God. When things don't go my way, I will continue to trust in him. And I'll continue to lean on him because it is God who fulfills me. God fulfills me. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. I always trust in God, always. And this is how you stop the water from of covetousness from getting inside the ship, right? Let's go back to James chapter four. Let's go where we left off, verse six. But he gives us more grace. I love this passage we're going. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. I've got, we'll, we, don't we have plenty of, this is one of my favorite scriptures. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Well, this is one of them. I love this part. But he will give us more grace. In other words, if you have rejected him all your life, he will, he will allow you back into a relationship with him. And that's good news. You, 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 all your life, you've, you've been cursing his name. But if you come before him, he, he gives you more grace. And he says, welcome. Welcome home. I love this. He gives us more grace. And he goes on. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. This is, this is key. This is key. Because when you humble yourself, and quit being arrogant, then you become grateful. That's what humbleness does. Right? I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be arrogant anymore. Right? It's time for me to stop being arrogant. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself. And humbleness leads to gratefulness. I'm grateful for what I have, whether it's little or whether it's plenty. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, for what I have. I'm grateful to God. He supplies all my needs. Goes to verse 7. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you, right? The devil's a coward. You need to understand something. The devil is a, is a coward. When we, when we resist him by prayer and the power of the cross of Jesus, he knows he is beaten. See, this is the devil's trick. His trick is to make you discontent with your, your identity. He'll make you discontent with your needs. This is what he wants you to do. He wants you to be discontent. He wants you to be, I can't get no satisfaction. This, this, is, where, this is what he wants, and he lures you in. But he's a liar. Resist him, and he will run. And verse 8, I love verse 8. Come near to God, and he'll come to you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. You want to be content? Well, come near to God. Come near to God. See, the reason why you are married is because you saw someone, you're like, oh my gosh, that person's hot. Right? And so you started to draw near. Praise God, they thought the same of you. Right? Because if they didn't draw near, you're like, okay, let's go this way. Right? I know it's never happened to anyone in this room. And you draw near, and, and the other person draw near. And, and you draw near, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're exchanging vows. Right? But here's, here's the issue. When we continue, when we continue, oh, my wife is drawing near right now. And just drawing near to my wife. And I'm glad she hasn't gone away. It's cool. And when we find have issues in our marriage, it's because someone has stopped drawing near to us. Right? Because to draw near, to draw near, it takes, there's an investment. There's an investment of nearness. Right? There's, we've got to pursue this daily. We've got to so if you're married right now, you need to pursue this daily. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep pursuing this. And this is a, if you're, if you're married right now, that, here goes a little tip for you. A tip for you with a P at the end. A tip for you is to continue to pursue. Continue to pursue. Pursue. Which is why my wife is married now. Did you know that when, when, when she, Poro, she decides to come to Hamilton, she was coming without me. Did you know that? So I pursued her. I left Auckland. Praise God. And I pursued her. And I wouldn't leave her until we got married. There you go. So drawing near takes purpose and action. We've got to draw near to God. But if we're drawing near to God, then, then there's an investment of nearness on our behalf. We're going to invest in it and draw near to God. So let me ask you this question. Are you content? Are you content? How can we find contentment? Contentment begins with knowing God. Contentment begins with knowing God. Because when we know God, we no longer feel that we need to compare ourselves to others. We find our worth and our, ide and our identity in Him. And this leads to a sense of peace and contentment that cannot be found in anything through worldly achievements or possessions. Right? So be grateful for what we already have. Be grateful. And trust in God always. Because possessions cannot compensate for an unhappy relationship. You've got an unhappy relationship. No matter how many gifts you buy the, the person that, that they're unhappy with you, it's not going to solve the issue. When you've got issues with your kids, you're not turning up to their sports game. You promised something and you never turned up. You can't just buy your way. Here's a PlayStation. Well, they might say, thank you, Dad. I'll take that. But you can't buy. You cannot buy your way through that. It possessions. Possessions cannot compensate for an unhappy relationship. But relationships bring Happiness, not things. Relationships. 
what your kids need is your presence. Your presence. Not presence. They need your presence. That's what they need. And it takes, it'll work at it. It'll work on it. Work at it. You know, we love people and we use things, okay? Make sure you get that right. Love people, use things. Because this is what happens. What happens is that if we love things, we end up using people. Maturity is saying that we have enough. We have enough. You know what? There's one plate at the smorgasbord. I have enough. How much does it cost? I'm getting another plate. <laughs> Big shout out to the Korean uh, barbecue that we went to last. Kushi, kushi, kushi. Well, the people already know this place. Yep. Hey, he's hungry. Yeah, let's go to Kushi's after the service. Here's the thing. God made us for purpose. And in Jesus, we find that purpose, right? That's the exact opposite of what the world says. The world says this. He says, says that our personal value is based upon our financial value. So therefore, if you have a lot of money, therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm worth a lot. Well, if I don't have, a, have enough, then I'm not worth much at all. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. You and I are valuable to God. We are so valuable that Jesus died on the cross for you to purchase forgiveness of our past so that from, from today onwards, we will experience hope and a future. This is how valuable you are to God, that he will, he will leave heaven for you, that he steps into his creation and he, and he binds himself in, in the flesh of Jesus and he died on the cross because the penalty of our sin was death and he paid the price. To bring you back into a right relation. The God says, I am drawing near. Will you draw near to me? So what does this mean for us? It means if you have rejected God, you'll... he still welcome you in. But you don't understand. Oh, oh man, oh, you don't, oh, I've cursed his name. He says, come. Regardless of what you did last night, regardless of what you did this morning, come, draw near to me. I'm drawing near to you. You know, I love God. God's like, well, maybe, maybe you kind of got all this wrong. Maybe you spent your life pursuing other things and you've missed out on this relationship with me. That's okay. Because I give you more grace. More grace. Will you... Humble yourself, be grateful, and trust me, says the Lord to you today. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So to, to quit being arrogant. Contentment begins with knowing God. I want you, Lord. You're the one who fulfills me. You're the one who takes care of all of my desires. I don't know where you are with God, but Right here, right now, it's time to leave a life of sin and follow him. Lord, I'm sorry for my adulterous life where I just went after so many other things that, that I thought will fulfill me. But these things never fulfilled me. Here's the thing, when you submit your life to God, I'm telling you, 
when you submit your, your life to God and you draw near to him, your desires change. The more you draw near daily, the more way you look at people change. Your relationships with people in your workplace change. Your relationships within your family change. Your relationship with your husband or your wife changes. And, and this is what begins to happen. You start to desire what God desires. It's like, I'm coming to God, but Lord, this is what I desire. But then the more you, you get close with God, the more you draw near with Him, then all of a sudden, I desire what you desire. And then your heart begins to break for what breaks God's heart. That's when we truly understand what it means to love God and love people as yourself. And that's when you break free from the power of covetousness. Contentment begins with knowing God. Come on, church, let us pray. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you love us so much and that your grace, oh Lord, your grace, it never stops. It flows. Lord, forgive us. There are times when we, we, we don't, we draw away from you. And we begin to desire other things and we just don't get satisfied. We keep coming back to you and then we, we go back again to the world. And Lord, I need you right here, right now. I'm submitting my life to you. I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus right now. Maybe you've never had a walk with him. Maybe you've never known him before. But right here, right now, you know, it's time to get my life right. So you need to make a decision. That today, I'm owning up. I'm not going to be arrogant. I don't know everything. Just ask my wife. But Lord, I'm right here and I'm, still, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust in you. I continue to, to be led by you. Because Lord, you're the one that I desire. You're the one that fulfills me. Father, I pray for those who are on this journey right now who's making this decision to follow you for the first time or maybe coming back to you. That we continue to look to you and we continue to invest in nearness of coming before you and trusting you. And the more we come closer and draw near to you, that's when we begin to win. And we begin to reflect your goodness to those around us. Thank you, Lord, for your law. That's for my best interest. Even when I don't have my best interest in mind, you are always there. So Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.